BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. It's Monday, November 7th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. The midterms are finally here, and which party will take control of Congress hangs in the balance. Republicans, poised to take over the House, have the lead on the economy, crime, and inflation. Democrats, lead on the issues of climate change and abortion. Control of the Senate will be up to a few key races, including Pennsylvania and Georgia. President Biden and former President Obama are making the case that democracy is at stake in this election, and former President Trump, painting Democrats as the radical left, could be announcing his re-election bid very soon. Julia Manchester, national political reporter at The Hill, joins us for a midterm preview. Next, Americans went on a fast furniture buying spree during the pandemic, and very soon, it could all be going in the trash. Fast furniture is mass-produced and relatively inexpensive. Think of something you might find at IKEA or Wayfair. Each year, we throw out more than 12 million tons of furniture. Some of the materials in fast furniture don't break down or biodegrade. Some of these items are only meant to last about five years, so the next spot for them is the landfill. Deborah Kamen, contributor to the New York Times, joins us for what to know. That's news without the noise. Let's dive in. The only way to preserve our democracy is if we together nurture and invest in it. Joining us now is Julia Manchester, national political reporter at The Hill. Thanks for joining us, Julia. Thank you for having me. Well, it's time for the midterm elections. Walk us up through it, get a big preview of everything that's going on right now. Uh, we'll start off with some polls that have been uh, released very recently. This is coming from Washington Post, ABC. Just kind of looking at the big picture of things, Republicans need a net of five seats to take control of the House. And by all accounts, it seems like that is very likely. You know, the top issues that we constantly be, uh, are talking about, crime, inflation, the economy, fare way better for Republicans. We're looking at uh, abortion and climate change, where Democrats uh, kind of take the lead there. Uh, so what are we seeing here, uh, Julia? The conventional wisdom for a while has held that Republicans are likely to win back the House. There was a period a few months ago at the end of summer, around the time that the Inflation Reduction Act was passed and the CHIPS Act was passed, um, you saw a lot of momentum going for Democrats. And for a while, there were a lot of questions as to, OK, could Democrats potentially hold on to the House or at least mitigate their losses? However, since then, we have seen inflation numbers sort of 
sort of tick up, gas prices tick up, and you hear a lot of fears about a possible recession in the headlines. And on top of that, you also have bad crime headlines as well. Now, there's a debate over, you know, how much control President Biden and Democrats or in Congress really have over these factors. However, Republicans have been very good at messaging on this issue. And they've just been, you know, very disciplined, incredibly disciplined on at staying on message throughout this entire cycle. Right. And I think that's really working well for them in the House. To that point, right? So Republicans hold a 14 point advantage on the economy, 12 point advantage on inflation and rising prices, 20 point advantage on crime. And then when we're looking at abortion, uh, that's 13 point advantage for the Democrats, 19 point advantage uh, for climate change for the Democrats. So, yeah, so they're blowing them out of the water on those key issues. And, and even in, in you know, uh, what they expect to be turnout, Republicans are, are, are more certain about their voting. Eighty percent of them saying they're certain to vote or have already voted. Absolutely. And the one thing to um, watch out for with Republicans is, you know, the conventional wisdom holds that Democrats normally lead in early voting, mail-in voting, that kind of a thing. Republicans are much more likely to turn out on election day. So watch out for that. But also I've been to a number of campaign events where Republican officials are encouraging, um, you know, people or voters to vote early. So there's that factor as well. But I think Republicans are really trying to galvanize this enthusiasm and they have the wind at their backs. I mean, this is also part of a historical trend. Whenever a president is going through their first midterm cycle, which is essentially always a referendum on their first two years in office, they typically historically lose seats. Um, remember like in 2010 when Barack o during Barack Obama's second year of his presidency, Democrats suffered major losses in the House. So this is a historical trend as well, but you also have these economic indicators that aren't working well for the party in power, yeah. and that's Democrats in this case. Before we move on to some more specific races, I did want to mention early voting. So early voting, as of Sunday already, uh, voters had cast more than 39.2 million early votes. That's more than the last midterm elections in 2018, uh, more than the entire early uh, early vote total there. So increasingly more people are voting early, voting by mail. And that does a couple of things, right? It uh, delays election results in a lot of times because they have to count these ballots once election day hits. It takes a lot of time to go through them. And as we saw with the last election with uh, uh, President Biden, a lot of people contest the results at that point. Yeah, they do. And that is a huge concern going into the uh, these midterms because you have a number of candidates up and down the ballot, probably the most, you know, I guess the, the most the, one of the uh, more popular candidates or well-known candidates, I should say, that we've heard doing this is Carrie Lake, who's running for governor in Arizona. These are, you know, candidates like her have signaled that they may not be willing to accept the election results. Um, you know, and if you're seeing a delay in voting, I think you're going to see Republicans in particular, you know, they very well could work to contest those results saying that this is, um, you know, an issue with the election system. And yeah. I say Republicans, not, you know, to, to generalize, but because, you know, of the pattern we've seen going back to President Trump and some of these Trump endorsed candidates. 
And in the meantime, states are just offering more ways to vote early, uh, vote by mail. So, I mean, those programs are constantly increasing and we're just seeing it in the numbers. It's just people are starting to vote that way more. They're more comfortable with it, too. So uh, just an interesting point. But we'll see what happens with that. As I mentioned, um, that tends to delay a lot of the results of some of the, the some of the races. Okay, on to some more specific ones. We uh, have been talking a lot about Pennsylvania, uh, John Fetterman, Dr. Oz out there. Over the weekend, we saw President Biden out there. We saw former President Obama out there, former President Trump out there, all supporting their candidates. Yeah, all supporting their candidates and sort of especially with Biden and Trump creating a split screen ahead of 2024. I mean, there are lots of reports and reporting out there that would suggest that Donald Trump is going to announce on or around November 14th. So, you know, this could be potentially a soft launch of his candidacy in the state that arguably um, gave him the White House. For Biden, though, uh, Biden also lays claim often to Pennsylvania, calling himself a Scranton guy, someone who grew up or spent at least some of their childhood in the state. He obviously knows how important the state is. So this could be a soft launch for him as well, as there are a lot of questions as to whether Biden will run or not. So, you know, the visits this weekend were obviously indicative of you know, how important the Senate race is to begin with and how incredibly close it is between John Fetterman and Mehmet Oz. However, I think it also offers a potential window into 2024 and what that could look like. And the messaging there was interesting, right? So President Biden, former President Obama hitting on Republicans saying, you know, democracy is really on the ballot. Former President Trump saying, if you want to save America, don't vote for the radical left Democrats. So big time uh, messaging there. Let's move on a little bit to uh, Georgia. This is another interesting race between Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker. They've spent a quarter of a billion dollars in advertising and all that stuff. And it's such a close race. It's basically a toss up right now. Uh, I think they've said that Republicans and Democrats have spent the equivalent of $30.83 on every one of the 7.8 million eligible voters in Georgia. A ton of money running through there. Another, another one of these critical Senate races that they say could be what decides the the balance of the Senate. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of early voting, you have seen, you know, pictures coming out of Georgia of lines just out of polling places showing, you know, how uh, so many voters in the state are really tuned in. So, you know, you have this one story just about how important Georgia is, how much both uh, parties are really pouring money into this state. Um, you know, how, obviously you have the coverage uh, in the lead up to Election Day, um, sort of the October surprise with Herschel Walker and him uh, allegedly paying to ha uh, for partners to have abortions. So, you know, there's been a lot of drama in the lead up to the state, but we may not know who the winner is after Election Day. Georgia is one of those states where, you know, if, if a candidate doesn't hit, if neither candidate hits 50 percent of the vote, yes. vote that threshold, they could go for towards a runoff. And that's exactly what happened in both Senate races in 2020. So, you know, uh, that, I think a lot of us <laughs> in the political world are hoping that this wraps up quickly. But oh, I don't wow. I, I don't know if that's true. Uh, uh, 538.com does a lot of uh, predictions and whatnot. They say that they're both of their for each of them is about 46 uh, percent of uh, of support there's an independent running in the race so it is completely possible that neither of them hit that 50 percent uh so that's going to be pretty crazy if it goes again to another uh, runoff election there julia manchester national political reporter at the hill 
Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. I mean, you walk around the streets of New York City at the end of the month, you see furniture on the curb everywhere. That stuff ends up in landfills, and it's 450% more than it has been a couple of decades ago. Joining us now is Deborah Kamen, contributor to the New York Times. Thanks for joining us, Deborah. Thanks for having me. Well, let's talk about fast furniture. Throughout the pandemic, a lot of people went to remote work. They were working from home. A lot of people, obviously, during lockdowns, just spending time at home. And what was the result of that? People were beefing up what they had there, furniture, all this other stuff, desks, desk chairs, patio equipment. Everybody kind of went on a buying spree to make themselves more comfortable while we're spending more time at home. And a lot of this fast furniture now, it's not really designed necessarily to last, you know, more than five years per se. And it's going to be hitting landfills pretty soon. And it could be a pretty big problem. So, Deborah, help us walk through what we're seeing with fast furniture and, and, and what exactly is fast furniture? Well, that right there is the key question, right? A lot of people think of fast furniture as only coming from stores like Ikea or Wayfair, or Amazon. You think of the stuff that comes in the flat pack and you've got to put it together, you know, with the instructions that don't have any words. And that is all true. But according to some environmentalists, even the nicer stuff that some of us consider pretty expensive, like Crate and Barrel or CD2 or West Elm even, are considered fast furniture because of the environmental impact of the way it's manufactured. It's made in a factory, mass-produced, so a lot of carbon emissions, a lot of waste, they also call that fast furniture. As I mentioned, that five-year thing, you know, some of this stuff they say, you know, it's not going to last that long. And we're looking for sturdier pieces. Maybe they can last a decade or longer. That's the more sustainable stuff. It's just going to not going to be thrown away as easily. So what's the worry now? Obviously, it's going to clog up landfills. Uh, and you, as you mentioned, the process behind making them obviously is wasteful, too. Right. So we're buying a ton more furniture and the furniture we're buying is not made as well. It's made from materials that don't break down. And in essence, because we're putting it together in our homes, it doesn't last as long. So as it falls apart, what do you do with it? You throw it away. You're not going to take a lack table from Ikea and sell it on Craigslist for 20 bucks. It's not worth your time. I mean, you walk around the streets of New York City at the end of the month, you see furniture on the curb everywhere. That stuff ends up in landfills and it's 
450% more than it has been a couple of decades ago. We are throwing away so much furniture. A lot of Americans don't realize that the way that we furnish our homes now is having a huge impact on the environment. Each year, Americans are throwing out more than 12 million tons of furniture. And the e-commerce furniture market is worth $27 billion. This is from 2021. You know, a lot of people don't obviously look into how the stuff's made and, you know, the after effects, but people love this. The fast fashion stuff, you know, is a comparable thing that a lot of people point to. But the fast furniture stuff, I mean, it lets a lot of people really design their homes, furnish their homes at a really good price point. And obviously, that's what a lot of people are looking into. Yeah, I mean, that's actually a key issue here. And I really wanted to emphasize this in the story that I wrote. This is not anybody's fault. And you shouldn't feel bad if you have fast furniture in your home. I have a Wayfair desk that I sit at that I wrote this article at. The problem is that furniture, the way it's manufactured now, it's so expensive to buy the good stuff that most people just can't. And we also move so frequently in our lives that it doesn't make sense to buy a $10,000 couch for most of us if we're going to have to move from our apartment in six months. So we're all kind of trapped in this cycle where we have no choice except to buy stuff that is really not good for the environment. And you mentioned buying that big couch, right? So even throughout the pandemic, a lot of people who are making some of those purchases know the pains uh, of trying to get furniture, right? Some of this stuff was, uh, you know, say, hey, uh, I want to buy a couch. Well, it's going to be seven, eight months maybe. And so the fast furniture category really filled that hole. You know, you maybe take you a couple weeks still or a few weeks to get something, but at least you can get something that you needed immediately. And, and even with people that landlords and stuff, people with uh, short-term rentals, all that stuff, really look to this category to fill their stuff. Yeah, there are other options on the market. Increasingly, a lot of new companies are being founded that are trying to solve this problem and also fill the gap. So there's lots of new options to purchase furniture secondhand or to refurbish it. And I would really encourage people if they are concerned about fast furniture but don't want to drop 10K on a couch to look into those options in these new companies where you can buy things that maybe are gently used but are still in really good condition. And the best thing about them is they're in stock. They don't have to be manufactured when you buy them. Yeah, let's focus a little bit more on those. So uh, two that you mentioned in the article, one is Kayo, and they're a marketplace mm-hmm. for pre-owned furniture. They said they kept more than 3.5 million pounds of furniture out of refills. And another one is Furnish. So this is a rental subscription service. Yeah, it's actually, it's more like a rent to buy. So you can rent furniture, but if at any point you think, wow, I really love this, instead of paying you know $10 or $12 a month for the lamp or the chair, you can just pay out the rest at the end. But if you're locked in a six-month lease and you don't know if you're going to renew, it's a good option to buy furniture that maybe is slightly higher quality without having to pay the full price because you're not going to be able to use it for an extended period of time. What have some of these companies said for their part, at least uh, what they're trying to change, how they're trying uh, maybe not to contribute to a lot of waste? Uh, I know you spoke to uh, Wayfair and Ikea and got some type of statements from them. Yeah, so Wayfair and Ikea both, they are aware of the environmental impact of the work that they do, and they are making efforts to become more sustainable. And I want to say those efforts really are admirable. Ikea has a huge sustainability pledge. They're trying to make sure that they become carbon neutral by 2030. Wafer also has a lot of sustainability initiatives on their website. They're trying to use better materials and cut carbon emissions. The bigger problem is the fact that we are all refurnishing our homes every time we move. So even if you are using more sustainable practices, there's still a lot of waste every time you throw out furniture because there's furniture is not a, a product that is very easy to resell. And that's why these other companies like Kayo and Furnish are stepping into that middle ground. So if you have a piece of furniture that you don't want to use anymore, there's an option for putting it into the circulation for someone else that doesn't involve just leaving it on the curb. You spoke to a few people that either out of necessity had to 
go with the fast furniture stuff or <laughs> there was also a homeowner that you spoke to that changed his mind about it and, and actually learned mm-hmm. how to make furniture so that he can furnish his, yep. his old uh, classic house. Uh, how, how did those conversations go? Yeah, this was a fun piece to report because I talked to a lot of different people about all these different ways that they're living and how furniture kind of emphasizes their choices. But this one guy, Doug Green, he bought a 200-year-old house, and he renovated it. And then he just decided, I spent so much time making the walls and the floors of these rooms beautiful. I don't want to buy cheap furniture to put inside of it. So he actually taught himself how to make his own furniture. So he built his own bed, and he built his own table, and he and his girlfriend made this into a, a project. This is obviously an extreme example, but I thought it was a very interesting take on someone saying, I don't want to have materials in my home that don't match the quality of the home itself. Totally. Yeah. I mean, but uh, you're right. There's a lot of time that goes into it and a lot of people and a lot uh, of privilege just can't do that. Yeah, exactly. So then, uh, you know, as we mentioned, right, some of this fast furniture stuff, the materials just don't biodegrade. They don't break down the right way. If we're in that category and we're looking at good price points, is there something that consumers should be looking at to at least help with this? Yeah. I mean, you can, when you're looking to purchase furniture, first of all, one thing you can do is you can check online reviews, especially if you're buying something that's mass produced. So you can find out from those reviews how long these products tend to last and be durable. And if a lot of reviews are saying this piece broke after a year or this really didn't, this bunk bed didn't hold up to my kids jumping on it or whatever, it's probably not a good idea to buy that product because chances are it's also not going to last for you and you're going to end up throwing it out. The other thing is you can try to find products that are made from solid materials as opposed to manufactured materials. The price point might be a little bit higher, but at least you know that you're purchasing something that when it's being manufactured, the production is slightly more sustainable than it would be if it were something like plywood or manufactured wood. And the best thing you can always do is try to shop secondhand, try to shop by nothing, try to, you know, purchase items that are already in circulation and don't have to be created new. And that's, that's a sustainability rule for everything. For the clothes that we wear, right. we should all be trying to buy less and reuse more because climate change is real. Well, take a look at that furniture you might have bought during the pandemic. Let's see how good it's holding up right now. And if, you know, maybe it's time to upgrade, but something to keep in mind for the next time you buy something else. Deborah Kamen, contributor to the New York Times. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It was fun. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcast. This episode of The Daily Dive is produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. 